Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. That that ought to almost just fall right open by now. We've opened it so many times. We've we've been there since January, first part of January. And uh, we've read this so many times, but uh, it's good to... uh, it's good to go over things over and over. What is, how does faith come to us? Hearing, hearing. By hearing and hearing. It's good to hear and hear uh, truth. It's good to hear and hear the Word. And, uh, you know, I, I joke because uh, as I get older, I, I like to tell stories. And, I, and, and as I get older, uh, I, I think of my uncle. My uncle, we'd go to visit him every, every summer, two or three times a summer. And he lived up by my folks' cabin. And... Uh, when we go visit him, he told us the same story every time we showed up. The same set of stories. And, you know, you hear the same story, you could almost finish it. But, you know, because he's your uncle and he's, you know, 100 years older than you and he's, you know, it's a little, and, and because you respect him, because your dad would, you know, hit you if you did, said anything disrespectful, you listen anyway and you think, oh, I know where this story, and you know the punchline, you know, every, I mean, you know everything about the story. The thing is, now after 40 years, I still remember the stories. I could tell you the stories. There was, a, there was one, because I played football, obviously, because you know, I was big, you know, in, in, high, in junior high and high school, and he'd always, he'd see me coming in the door the first time, every, I mean, every time, three times a year, he would, he'd see me walk in the door and he'd always say, when the boy is big and his brain is small, send him off to college and he'll play football. <laughs> You laugh, okay? You laugh. It's still in here. You hear it. But there's something about hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. He's still laughing. It's not that funny. It really isn't. No, it is. It's wow. Wow. I mean, I expect that from some others, but Barb, come on. But it's good to hear. It's amazing what you remember when you hear it and hear it and hear it. Hey, what better to hear and hear and hear than the Word of God, than the, than the truth, than what's, what's real. So turn with me again, and it always helps to read it as you, as you hear it. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And we've been asking the question as we've been going along, what does it mean to be a son of God? 
What does that mean? There's something there. I mean, this is deep. This, is, this goes right to the core of who we are, why we're here, what, why we do the things that we do. What does it mean to be the sons of God? How is a son of God supposed to act? How is a son of God? And, 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 you know, I've said this, I think, every week, but I want to make sure it's clear. Here, when, that, when it uses the word sons of God, it doesn't mean just the men. It means children of God. But the way it was translated, so on and so forth, it's sons of God. But it's children of God, men and uh, sons and daughters of God. What does it mean? How does, how does the son of God think? How does the son of God act? And what is a son of God's purpose here on the earth? You know, there's, there's many purposes that we're supposed to fulfill. I mean, I'm never going to be an engineer. I'm just not. And I don't mean the woo-woo, I mean, I mean the, think, you know, the logical thinking one. I'm also not going to be the woo-woo one, but I mean, that's a whole other story. And, and I'm never going to be this, and you're never going to be that. And, and we all have our individual purposes, but I believe and I know that there is an, a, a specific corporate purpose that every believer has. And we've been hitting on that over the last few weeks, and we're going to finish with that and then move on to the next phase of, okay, well, if, if, if we know what our individual purpose is, then how do we do it as the body? Because the body has a purpose also. Why do we do this? Why do we come on Sunday mornings or whenever we come, Sunday night, Saturday morning, Wednesday nights, whatever, when we get together as the body of Christ, why? Why is that such a big deal? Because that theme runs all the way through the Bible. And uh, as, as a group of people going through uh, fulfilling God's purpose with our lives. So let's look at the model, the Son of God, so that we can see what He did so we can pattern our life after that. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, beginning with, with verse 34. And Peter's speaking here. It's, I believe it's right after he, uh, uh, after Cornelius was born again, was filled with the Spirit, he says this. Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 34. Is that right? Somebody who looks ahead of that? Is that is talking about Cornelius? Yeah, that's what I thought. Acts chapter 10, verse, beginning with verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Remember we said last week when that Jesus opened the scroll and he said, he said, this word is fulfilled in your, in your presence today, he, that, that God has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to declare the, the acceptable day of the Lord. 
to heal blind eyes and so on and so on and so on. He came with a purpose. Jesus came with a purpose and he's given us that same purpose. Here he talks about how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So what's our job? If that was Jesus' job, we as sons of God, what's our job? What is our purpose? Our purpose is to preach the gospel to all who are oppressed of the devil. We may be an engineer. We may be a contractor. We may be a stay-at-home mom. We may be all of these individual purposes but our number one purpose is to, bre- is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. A number of years ago, I was reading something. can't even tell you what it was, where it was. But I heard this story. Years ago, there was a, a man who was a, a hire or a, 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 a H&R or a, you know, a human resource person. And he would do all the hiring and firing for a, a specific a specific company. And his, his tactic of how to do that was he would bring a person into his office. Have I already told this story? I didn't tell it last week. Good. See, here's that thing. You start to forget what stories you tell, you know. You want to make sure you don't just sound like my uncle and tell the same ones over and over again. But if you, ever, if you, haven't, if you have heard this, just laugh anyway. It's not a joke, but it's the truth. It's what really happened. It is. So he would sit. He would bring somebody into his office. He'd say, "Oh, welcome! Glad to have you here. This is so wonderful. I've heard so much about you. I've read your resume. This is wonderful. Uh, it sounds like you're the guy for the job. Uh, really looking forward to you know working with you. I have a few more questions just to make sure we have everything in line here. And hey, can I get you a cup of coffee? Here, let me get you a cup. Here, I have some donuts over here too. Here's the donut. Here, sit in this nice, comfy chair. Get comfortable. And he would he would just schmooze the person and get them as comfortable as he possibly could, letting down all their defenses, letting down all their their inhibitions, everything else, just letting them think that they are right in the middle of getting hired for this job. And then he would sit down in his chair and he would look across the table at him and he'd do this. What is your purpose? All he would say is, what is your purpose? He'd scream it at him. And he said, most of people just broke out in tears. <laughs> Fell apart. Some people couldn't answer the question. <laughs> and he said he'd do that all the time just to see what their reaction was. Who are they? Who are they really? And he said he did that for years, but he said one day, one day he stood up, slammed his desk and said, What is your purpose? And the kid across the seat, across the desk from him, didn't even think, he says, is to get as many people saved as possible and get them into heaven. (laughs) And he said, that day I got saved. Because the kid understood his purpose. It wasn't to get hired for that job. It wasn't to make money. It wasn't to be successful and rich and blah, 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 blah. His purpose, he knew what his purpose was. And that purpose was to get as many people saved and get them into heaven in his lifetime. So what is your purpose? I already yelled and 
What is your purpose? <laughs> yeah, thank you, sweetheart. You guys made people saved. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and get them into heaven. Amen. So, <laughs> turn. Sorry. Jesus, along the way, because he spent time with his disciples. He spent time with his disciples. He built relationships. Those 11 men, I mean, obviously we know that Judas didn't make it. But those 11 men became very close to Jesus. They knew him better than anybody else on the earth. I believe even better than his family did. They knew him because he poured out his life for three years. He spent time with him. He ministered with them. He, 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 uh, um, he led them. He, he instructed them. But he also kept them in order. He, he chastised them. In all of this, Jesus did not lose sight of his real purpose. Do you remember the story when, when uh, Jesus was, had sat all of his disciples down and says, who are the people, who, or who do the people say that I am? And they said, well, the people are saying you're one of the prophets, or you're Elisha, or you're Elijah, or you're this, or you're that. And he said, well, who do you say, who do you say that I am? And, he, and Peter said, you're the son, of, you're the son of the Most High God. You're, you're the Messiah. And Jesus said, God, oh, that's awesome, Peter. That's wonderful. You, you, know, you didn't think that up yourself. God, the Spirit of God, revealed that to you. And then Jesus starts to open up and says, here's, where I'm, here's what's going to happen. From here, I'm going to Jerusalem. And when I'm in Jerusalem, they're going to they're arrest me. And then they're going to beat me. And then they're going to put me on a cross and I'm going to die. And then three days later, I'm going to rise again. And one of his close friends, one of, the, one of the people in his inner circle, one of the people that he had built a deep relationship with, looks at Jesus and says, No, not you, Jesus. That's not your purpose. That's not, that's not what's going to happen. Don't do that. That doesn't fit into our plans. Don't do that. That, that doesn't meld <clears throat> with what we thought was about to happen, where we're headed. No, Jesus, don't do that. And then Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Now, he wasn't calling him the devil. He was just saying anybody who was against that plan was an adversary. Somebody who didn't have the... the and he said to, to Peter, he says, you don't have in mind the plans of God. Sometimes we can get too wrapped up in what we think is important. We can get too focused on what we think is the reason we do what we do. Why do we do what we do? Why do you get up every morning? Not just Sunday mornings. Why do you get up every morning? Is it to go to work, to make money, to put food on the table? I mean, you could say yes, and that's part of it. But the real reason is, is that there's people wherever you go, whatever you're doing that day, whatever, whoever you run into, that need to hear about Jesus Christ. And if we don't do that, in doing that, Jesus said, you're laying down your life. In doing that act, in, in living that way, you're dying to yourself because I want to be rich. I want to get, be successful. I want to do this. Our human side wants to do all the things and to have the stuff and to do this and that, but it's not the right purpose. Jesus 
knew what his purpose was, and his purpose was to die for somebody else, to lay down his life for someone else. The problem was Peter, and I would imagine the other disciples, Peter just always said what everybody else was thinking. He didn't, he didn't always think it through and, you know, use his inside voice. <laughs> he stuck his neck out and just said, well, you can't do that, Jesus. Well, well that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. How many times do we do that? Our purpose, the reason you exist, I'd even say the reason everybody exists, but not, but not everybody, number one, gets saved. Not everybody joins the kingdom of God. But even within, if we just stay within the kingdom of God, how many people fully realize that your every day, every moment, everything that you do, purpose in life, is to exhibit Jesus Christ to those you run into? When we live that way, when we actually decide that's the way I'm going to live, the world's going to open to you. Remember I said last week that God was going to give you opportunities this week? And I, I didn't mean you were going to preach to thousands. I didn't mean you were going to, you know, heal everybody at the hospital or whatever. I remember I said that this week God was going to give you an opportunity to show Him to somebody, to be light to somebody. How many of you experienced that this week? Numbers. Good. He's going to do that again this week. It wasn't just a one-week thing. It wasn't just a one-week challenge. We should be looking for ways, looking for opportunities to be light, to be salt wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Turn with me. And I'm going to intro what we're going to be talking about next week, but on a bigger scale. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul's writing to the Ephesians. <clears throat> he's giving them information. He's giving them, he's teaching them some things. He's telling them who they are in Christ, what their purpose in Him is. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 10. And he says this about Jesus, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God put... In the body of Christ, people who had gifts and talents and anointings to teach, inspire, train, challenge, do all of those sort of things, not so that you can be a better person. Not so that your life is better. It's not so that you don't make the same dumb mistakes over and over and over again. Although it's really nice to not make the same dumb mistakes over and over and over again. It isn't, uh, he didn't put the, the fivefold ministry in the body as a self help to prepare you for being a better parent and a better this and a better that, although 
by being in the body and being in the word, we will be those things. The main purpose for the, the gifts, the, the five-fold ministry to be put in the body of Christ is to train the saints to do the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry, and, and I'm not, this is not, a, I'm not stepping on toes, I, I don't mean this at all, and, and please take it in the context I'm saying it. It's the work of the ministry isn't being an usher in church. The work of the ministry isn't serving coffee before and after church. The work of the ministry isn't being a sound man or, or the video or the, it isn't, that isn't the work of the ministry. Those jobs are what the family do to keep house. You see what I'm saying? I mean, in our home, in our home, we all have things that we do. We have jobs. It's Tuesday. We do this. It's Thursday. Okay, we know we have to get this done. So on and so forth. It's part of the body doing housekeeping. Hey, when, some, when people walk in the door, they need to have some information. Housekeeping. That's not the work of the ministry. We need to have the PowerPoint up on the screen so people can you know, see the words and they can have the verses and things. I mean, that's, that is extremely important. It enhances, it makes it easier to do what we're doing right now. And it makes it wonderful. Sound ministry. I mean, if the guy wasn't there making sure I sound good, it wouldn't. All of those things are necessary, but that's housekeeping. The work of the ministry is the proclamation of Jesus Christ into all the world. That is the work of the ministry. That is our purpose. That's my purpose. That's your purpose. If I didn't do this, if I wasn't a pastor, I would still do that. Before I was a pastor, I did that. Wherever I went, wherever I was working, whoever I was hanging out with, they knew what I stood for. I tried to be as unannoying, is that a word? <laughs> as possible. We need to get better at it. That's what my job is, is to help you be good at proclaiming Christ. Have the tools you need. Know the scriptures. Understand the theology like we did last year. It's to encourage you. It's to inspire you. And if, you know, if you've all heard the story about how a, a baby eagle learns how to fly. You ever heard that story? You, you know how a baby eagle learns how to fly? At a certain age, the parent kicks them out of the nest. The nest is lined with feathers and down and really soft things and as the baby gets older and older and starts to get get ready for it to, to fly the parent starts taking out all the soft stuff and all that's and, and they purposely make the nest out of thorns so that it becomes very uncomfortable and the baby starts going whoa this isn't as nice as it used to be this isn't as soft as it used to be and then at a certain point, if the baby doesn't jump out of the nest and start to flap its wing and fly, the parent will push it out. One of my favorite sayings that I heard Pastor Dan say over and over and over and over, and it's just there. The pastor's job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Our purpose is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. That's our individual purpose. You don't have to be full-time to do that. It's actually better. It's easier not being full-time minister. 
I, I'm writing it for uh, my other life, my other the business that I do a couple nights a week. Somebody asked me to write a, uh, an article for an entrepreneurial blog. So they gave me a number of questions about it. And they said, what's the best part of owning your own business and being an entrepreneur? And I said, because it makes me get out and meet people that I would not meet any other way. Because my conversations with somebody, I meet somebody new. Hey, how you doing? I'm John, glad to meet you. Eventually they say, what do you do? And the, and the, the conversation most of the time stops about 30 seconds after I tell them what I do. Because in their mind, they're, sorry, they're going through, what did I say? Did I swear? Did I... Being a non-professional Christian. <laughs> Last flight over to Hungary. I was, I was on the plane and I'm sitting and actually where the seats I, I can get have all the leg room. I'm, I'm the guy everybody else wants to be. I'm the guy with the, the exit door right here and I've got the 16 feet of, you know, I can get up and do stretches and walk around and everybody else looks mad at you, you know. Well, the flight attendant sits right across the hallway right across the seat from me and then I had another guy another businessman was sitting next to me and I don't say anything I just we're in the flight and we start talking about different things and the flight attendant starts talking to me oh yeah where are you going going blah 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 we're doing and uh, so what do you do for a living and I said well I usually don't tell people what it is because it just ends it ends the conversation well you say something like that what happens okay what do you do <laughs> What is it that you do? And I said, well, it's kind of hard to explain. I said, actually, what I do is really the oldest profession in the world. <laughs> the flight attendant goes... <laughs> the guy next to me puts his paper down and goes... <laughs> and they go, what? And I said... I, I'm a pastor. I seek God. I said that was kind of the first thing that, and they both thought, okay, that's not the direction we were going. <laughs> but the most amazing thing happened as soon as they, as soon as they kind of went, oh, okay, I see where you're going with this. The, the, the flight attendant goes, where's the church? I'm coming. He says, I got to check this place out. And he says, you don't think I'm coming, do you? And I said, I said, I don't know. I said, I hear people say that a lot. And he goes, you watch, I'm showing up. He says, I'm going to be there. Ta-da! Opportunity. Opportunity. You don't have to have big, deep theological answers. There's a thing going around on, on uh, the internet, a, a video talking about a guy who, who, somebody asked him what he does. He, works, he says, I work for the, the largest multinational organization in the world. <laughs> We have subsidiaries based all over the world. And we're interconnected by a, by a communication as far as the highest level of communication, far exceeding what most people are using as technology today. We have a CEO who is absolutely perfect. Everybody who is a part of the organization loves him. <laughs> and he goes on and on and on. And the people around him are going, wow, what do you do? Who, can I work for that company? Yes, you can. What we do, who we are, needs to be. We need to be wise, the Bible says, wise as serpents and, and gentle as doves. You don't let people 
dictate what they think of Christianity. You be Christ to them. You grow. That's why this is so important. You grow. What's church about? We're going to talk about that in the next few weeks at depth. What is church about? Church isn't for us to come together and hang out with each other. Heretic. Where's the stones? I mean, it's a nice part of it. I love that part of it. It, it is good to come and be with each other, but that's not our number one purpose. That's not why we exist. Remember Jesus. Remember I just talked about how Jesus told his disciples, I've I got to go and die. And his disciples went, no, 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 we've got a good thing going here, Jesus. We got people, we're all we're a family, we're together, and we've got you. You're the Son of God. Why would we want to blow this? And it's because it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that twelve. It's bigger than that one hundred. It's bigger than that five hundred, that three thousand. It's bigger than us. It isn't so that we can have a friend. Friends are awesome. I love you guys. That's a byproduct of doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's a wonderful byproduct. I, I wouldn't want to lose that. I, I love this, this, this relationship, this, this group of people that we're a part of. But that's not our number one purpose. Our purpose is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere that we go. And when we come together on a Sunday morning, it's not for fellowship. I mean, it does. We do do fellowship. And we even foster fellowship. We have coffee and cookies afterwards. And, and we have things that cause people to do things in fellowship. And that's good. We need to do that. That's extremely important. As long as we never lose the purpose, the for real focus of why we do this. It's because there's a gospel that needs to be preached. There's good news. Gospel means good news. There's good news that, gets, that needs to be preached to a bunch of people in the world that don't know anything about Jesus or they have no hope at all. We have the answer. And I actually think this church has a really good grasp on the answer. There are tons of amazing uh, 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 mature, well-put-together people who have a message. We just need to, know, we need to know how, and we need to have a vehicle on how to do it on a day-to-day -day basis. That's why we exist. That's why we do this. That's what church is all about. We have to keep that focus. When we lose the focus of the gospel... then we're something else. The gospel, outside of these four walls. Being salt, being light. If, Jesus said, salt loses its saltiness, it's worthless. Salt does not exist to hang out in a salt shaker. Salt exists to be poured out on something that needs flavor. Needs seasoning if it just stays in a salt shaker you ever you ever gone to an old house that's been abandoned for a while and you go through the cupboards and
She said nothing. Some people, I hear people going, what did she say? She said nothing. She just went, <laughs> like I'm creeping around old houses, going through cupboards. It's not what I'm saying. I'll be more specific then. We go to our cabin. You know, I, we were the first ones up at the cabin this last year. And you open up the cupboard and you see the salt shaker. And you think, my first thought is, how long has that been there? Or a bottle of Worcestershire sauce. Or coffee. My brother loves coffee. But he doesn't care what it tastes like. There is coffee in the cupboard that is from last summer. And not even the good stuff from like Dunn Brothers in Hudson or Stillwater. It's going to cost you, man. It's going to cost you big time. This, this, this sermon has been brought to you by Dunn But it's the old can, you know, and it, and it was from last year's fishing season. And you open it up and it's just, ran, oh. And he comes up the next time and he opens it up, makes coffee and drinks. I can't do that. How long has that been in there? Salt, I mean, any kind of thing that's been, you know, you don't know where it came from. Salt, yes. I'm, I'm okay, I'm a germaphobe, all right? I guess there, you don't know, have some issues. But the point is, if you don't use it, it's worthless. That, that's not what salt is for. Salt doesn't exist to stay in a salt shaker and just exist. Salt exists to flavor what needs flavoring, uh, preserve what needs to be preserved, so on and so forth. The church does not exist for us to come here and to say we're a part of a great organization. Wonderful group of people, love hanging out with them every week. Very mature people. It's not why we're here. We're here to prepare to go out there and to have the tools necessary and to have our lives together. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we come in here and sometimes we need bandaging up. We need a hug. We need to be lifted up. We need somebody to talk us off the ledge. Absolutely we need that. We need that relationship and that fellowship. I can't make it without you guys. We just, we need each other. It doesn't matter who it is. We need every, I need every one of you. We, we need that. You bring a supply that causes me to be a better person. But that's not our number one purpose. Our number one purpose is to preach the gospel. However he's led you to do it. In your workplace, as a family, uh, as an individual, through a hobby, through whatever it is. It's not to be a freak, but it is to be a light. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is the, if you want to know who I am, if somebody finds if somebody you know finds you interesting or at least quizzical, they want to know who you are. Well, tell them who you are and why you are the way you are. So, any sermon like this is not complete without the invitation, without the opportunity, because. There are some that come, and I believe that that church is a place where people could come and hear the gospel for the very first time. We, we're on television every week, locally. 
And people watch us. I know they watch us. I still have people who, who come up to me and say, I know you from somewhere. Where do, you, where do I know you from? Dancing with the stars. You know, I mean... <laughs> Mr. Universe contest, you know. <laughs> no, we're on, I'm on television. Oh, that's where I've seen you on cable. Yeah, they hear this stuff. All the people here are hearing this that we don't even know. And so, by giving a message when the Lord leads to, why, by by taking that opportunity to say, the Bible says Jesus said that unless a man be born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Most people don't hear that. They just don't hear it. They don't, they've either never heard it, or they hear it so infrequently, or they hear it wrong. The truth is, Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. You can get the rest of your life together. You can get everything all figured out and have the best job in the world, have the best family, the best, best vehicles. You can have you know, cabins and boats and golf memberships, and you can have all the stuff in the world, and if you lose your soul, it's not worth it. And there's only one way for your soul to be saved, and that's through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's because He died on the cross. It's because He gave His life for you. And it's not just knowing that He did that. That'd be great. I mean, that would be easy if we just know, oh, okay, I know that now, it's good. No, he said we have to make a decision. We have to make him the Lord of our lives. What that means is, is that he gets to choose, he gets to decide, he gets to tell us how to live our lives, and he's given us the manual. He's given us the word that says, live your life this way. Well, the first thing he said to do is, you must be born again. You have to give up your life. You have to say, Jesus, I repent for what I've done. I've lived a terrible life. I've, no, no matter if you've never uh, robbed a bank or killed anybody, by, just by the nature of human beings, by every thought and intention of human beings, left to their own devices is evil. From birth. The Bible says that. We learned that last year in theology. And the only way to be saved from that is to put our trust, believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross for us. Confess Him as the Lord of our life. Okay, that's it, Jesus. I'm not, you're in charge from now on. I'm going to follow you. And believe that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. That's what it takes. It's not going to church. It's not getting your life straightened out. It's through being born again. The rest of the stuff happens after that. It, sometimes it takes days, sometimes it takes weeks, sometimes it takes years, decades even. But at least you're saved. At least you're born again. You can get your life all straightened out and still go to hell. That stink. So this morning I want to give the opportunity, whether you're listening by, by CD or on the on the internet or if you're watching by television or whatever it may be. This morning I want to give you the opportunity to accept what Jesus Christ did for you. Repent of your sins. It doesn't have to be stand, come forward, say this prayer. It's a decision of your heart. When I got my life right with God, I was sitting in a, in a chair in my room all by myself. And I said, God, I blew it. 
I blew it. I have actually, I have absolutely blown it. I am so sorry. I repent. That was sin. All that stuff I've been doing, everything is sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. From here on, Jesus, you get to be the Lord of my life. I believe what the Word says about you. And you're my Lord. And then tell somebody else. The Bible says, Jesus said, unless you confess, my, confess me to men, other people. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you in front of the angels. It's a confession of your mouth. I remember when I made that decision, the first thing the Holy Spirit told me was, tomorrow you've got to tell somebody. I didn't know who, and I was scared to death of who, and it happened to be a co-worker. I walked into work, and the guy met me. He says, hey, how was your weekend? <laughs> well, some things happened over the weekend. Oh, I'll bet they did. <laughs> no, not quite like that. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. You did what? Yeah, I'm, I'm done with that stuff, man. I'm done with my old life. I'm, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. That's what it's all about. Being a witness. Tell somebody for the hope that you have. Let's stand. Father, all of this stuff, purpose, meaning, reason. Thank you, Lord, that it does not settle. We don't, it does not grow old. That this sermon is something that just keeps stirring within us, each and every one of us, every day, every day of our life. Thank you, Father, for, for the doors that have opened this week. Lord, for, I, for all the testimonies I heard about opportunities this last week. Thank you that you're moving among your people and that those testimonies grow and grow in intensity and frequency. And that the joy, the joy of being your witness will overtake us and change us into the body of Christ that we're called to be. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done in us. To your glory, to your honor, in Jesus' name, amen. This week, you're going to have an opportunity. Guarantee it. God is going to open up a door for you to be a light, to be a witness, to be salt. Look for it. Actively look for it. Be wondering, who is it? When is it? How can, I, how can this happen? And then let Him put His words in your mouth. That's what He said He'll do. You don't have to have, a, a, you don't have, to have the words beforehand. He'll put the words in your mouth. Amen? Amen. Amen.